Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Tonight, agony in Indianapolis as families wait to hear the fate of their loved ones after America's latest mass shooting at a FedEx facility. The chaotic scene as police say a former FedEx employee showed up and randomly started shooting, killing at least eight people. Why the FBI says the gunman's mom reported him to police last year. And President Biden renews calls for an assault weapons ban. Who in God's name needs a weapon that can hold 100 rounds? COVID spring surge. Cases rising in more than half the country, fueled by variants as the U.S. approaches a vaccine milestone. Cities on edge. Rising tensions as Derek Chauvin's murder trial reaches a critical stage. Police nationwide preparing for possible unrest. Guilty plea. A heavy metal guitarist and founding member of the Oath Keepers pleads guilty in the Capitol riot. Will he cooperate with prosecutors? The walk back. After criticism from his party, the president reverses his decision on a refugee cap. Search for survivors. The grim discovery tonight as the Coast Guard keeps looking for crew members off the coast of Louisiana. Farewell to Prince Philip. Britain prepares to say goodbye to the Queen's husband. The meticulous arrangements right down to the Land Rover hearse Philip designed himself. And on the road, CBS's Steve Hartman on why a family is pulling out all the stops to get a made-up word into the dictionary. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us on this Friday night. We're going to begin with the search for a motive after a 19-year-old gunman opened fire at a FedEx facility in Indianapolis overnight. 
Eight people were killed and five others were injured when Brandon Hole, a former FedEx employee, began firing an assault rifle at random as his former co-workers ran for their lives. Hole later killed himself. At a press conference late today, President Biden became emotional, calling gun violence in the U.S. a national embarrassment and imploring Republicans in Congress to help pass universal background checks. It is hard to fathom, but in the past month alone, there have been 53 mass shootings nationwide defined as incidents where four or more people were shot, including those high-profile massacres at three Asian spas in Atlanta and at a supermarket in Boulder, Colorado. And yet again tonight, police now find themselves trying to piece together what could have driven another young man to destroy lives. At the same time, the victim's loved ones try to piece together their shattered families. CBS's Nikki Batiste is in Indianapolis tonight and is going to lead off our coverage from outside that FedEx facility. Good evening, Nikki. Nora, good evening. Tonight, police tell us this is still an active crime scene and they are working to identify bodies inside. We're also learning the suspect's mother warned police about her son last year. About 100 employees were inside this FedEx building when he opened fire. First responders race to the chaotic scene, finding the wounded and the witnesses running for cover. They have an active shooter currently at FedEx. Police say a man armed with a rifle got out of his car, shooting people outside this FedEx facility. There was no confrontation uh, with anyone that was there. There was no disturbance. There was no argument. He just appeared to randomly start shooting. The massacre lasting just minutes. The gunman killing four people in the parking lot. Then going inside the building, he killed four more before taking his own life. The suspect took his life very shortly before officers actually entered the facility. Did not last very long. Police say the suspect has been identified as 19-year-old Brandon Scott Hole, a former FedEx employee. The FBI is searching his home for clues, but there is still no motive. The teen was detained in March of last year and a shotgun taken away after Hole's mother reported her son might try to die by suicide by cop. This is a sight that no one should ever have to see. Jeremiah Miller was outside FedEx when he saw the hooded gunman. He was yelling. And he was screaming and he started and I saw a assault rifle of some sort. I saw the clip and he started firing. Bang, 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 bang. FedEx doesn't allow cell phones inside during work. So some frantic family members have been unable to reach those here during the attack. A lot of these people are so, you know, they're upset. They don't know if their loved ones are alive or are hurt. Mary Carol Weissert hasn't heard from her husband since he left for work. Surreal and shocked, but not knowing. He might be fine. We don't know. She and her husband, Steve, have been married nearly 50 years. We don't know whether we should be here to pick him up, to take him back. If he's in the hospital, we know nothing. You know, we're not the criminals. Why can't they just pull us aside and say this is what it is? And at least, you know, if he is deceased, at least we know this. Tonight, we have learned some employees' cell phones are still in their cars here. Investigators are beginning the painful process of notifying family members. Five victims with gunshot wounds were treated at local hospitals. Nora. Nikki Batiste, thank you. President Biden could not hide his disgust at the news from Indianapolis, calling repeated gun violence a national embarrassment and saying this has to end. CBS's Weijia Jang reports tonight from the White House. 
President Biden hosted a foreign leader in person for the first time at the White House, Japanese Prime Minister Yoshihide Suga. But it was a domestic challenge that set him off, gun violence. Who in God's name needs a weapon that can hold 100 rounds or 40 rounds or 20 rounds? It's just wrong. And I'm not going to give up till it's done. In the wake of another mass shooting, the president grew defensive when asked why he is prioritizing infrastructure legislation over police reform and gun control. I've never not prioritized this. No one has worked harder to deal with the violence used by individuals using weapons than I have. I'm the only one ever to have passed an assault weapons ban. That was 27 years ago, the last time Congress passed significant gun reform. Today marked the third time the Biden White House has lowered flags to honor victims of gun violence. Every single day, there's a mass shooting in in the United States if you count all those who were killed out in the streets of our cities and our rural areas. It's a national embarrassment and must come to an end. Also today, the White House announced the U.S. would not increase the number of refugees it accepts this fiscal year from 15,000, a historic low set by the Trump administration. But after widespread and fiery criticism from members of his own party, the White House said the president is expected to increase that cap next month. Nora. All right. Weija Jang at the White House. Thank you. And we're going to turn now to the fight against the coronavirus. Variants are fueling a surge of new cases across the country as hospitalizations and deaths begin to increase. We get more now from CBS's Mola Lange. Tonight, health officials are on high alert after an alarming rise in COVID cases, with infections increasing in more than half the country and deaths up 11 percent. The increasing trends in cases hospitalizations and deaths are very concerning and they threaten the progress we've already made. One big reason, variants, particularly the one that originated in the United Kingdom. At this Columbia University lab, Dr. David Ho first identified yet another variant circulating in New York City. It's concerning because it's spreading at a rate that is on par with the UK variant and we know the UK variant uh, is more transmissible and more Uh, more lethal. It's being blamed for nearly half the new infections here in the past week. New York State has the second highest number of new cases in the country, something Governor Andrew Cuomo addressed today. It is not over. It is better, but it is not over. And now the CDC says they're investigating two more cases of blood clots in people who received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, including one from the clinical trial, another woman and a man. This after six women had similar cases, resulting in the pause in distribution. We recognize the the critical importance of moving quickly. In a statement released today, J&J says so far, evidence is insufficient that its drug was the cause of the clots. Still, there is concern it's scaring away the unvaccinated. After months of demand for shots outstripping supply, the situation in some areas is now reversed. Thousands of appointments at vaccination sites in New York and Chicago are unfilled as the country continues to brace for what's next. Based on everything that we know, what's the outlook this summer? Well, I think the good news is vaccine rollout is moving along at at a great pace. Uh, The bad news is the variants are emerging uh, everywhere. Well, here in New York, the state has already vaccinated roughly 5.4 million people. Meanwhile, the White House said today it's likely additional booster shots will be required in the future and 
They're planning for it, Nora. Mololengi, thank you. Exactly 100 days after an angry mob stormed the Capitol, the first guilty plea has been entered. John Schaefer, a heavy metal guitarist and founding member of the far-right Oath Keepers, was accused of attacking police officers with bear spray. Today, he pleaded guilty to two felony charges and has agreed to cooperate with prosecutors. Also tonight, with closing arguments set to begin on Monday in the murder trial of fired police officer Derek Chauvin, Minneapolis and other U.S. cities are on edge. Anticipating possible protests following the verdict, schools in Minneapolis will switch to all remote learning next Wednesday. CBS's Jamie Ucas is there. The evidence is in and the case is made. Now the city's bracing for what comes next. How do you keep having murder after murder? Mothers of sons who died in police incidents spoke today to remind people of their pain. I'm mad as hell again. Emotions are raw on top of 14 days of testimony from 45 witnesses and videos of the 9 minutes and 29 seconds Derek Chauvin's knee was on George Floyd's neck. Jurors begin deliberations after Monday's closing arguments, but police here are preparing for possible unrest that could surpass the rioting that followed Floyd's death last summer. Around the country, similar plans. D.C. police switching to 12-hour shifts. The NYPD has spent nearly a year preparing for possible citywide protests. They're going the other way. As tensions build, children in Minneapolis are feeling the anxiety. What's it like for you to know that the trial's happening here? It's not cool to have a black person walking in your neighborhood and a white lady or a white man just sees you and all she sees is trouble. These kids are in a mentoring program called Teach Everyone a Method and range in age from 9 to 17. We're deciding between two fates, you know, the fate of the people and the fate of the system. And the fate of the next generation. Jamie Yukis, CBS News, Minneapolis. There's big news from Cuba tonight. The Castro era is coming to an end. Raul Castro is stepping down as head of Cuba's Communist Party, which had been controlled by his family for more than 60 years, beginning with his late brother, Fidel Castro. Cuban President Miguel Diaz-Canal is expected to take over as Communist Party chief. All right, tonight the final preparations are being made for the funeral of Britain's Prince Philip, the husband of Queen Elizabeth. The ceremony will draw on royal tradition as well as the prince's military service. CBS's Roxana Sabiri reports tonight from outside Windsor Castle. Prince Philip planned his final farewell down to the details. From the military flourishes to this Land Rover he designed to carry his own coffin. But because of the pandemic, only 30 mostly close relatives will attend the service at St. George's Chapel. They'll have to wear masks and socially distance, with the Queen sitting alone. Still, royal author Robert Hardman says the ceremony will largely reflect the prince's wishes. He wanted it to be personal. He didn't want a huge fuss. He actually had some of the simplest royal funeral instructions. All he wanted was a Land Rover and his nearest and dearest. And, you know, if if the rest of the world has to watch it on TV, so be it. And that's the way it's going to be. That is the way it's going to be. But a palace spokesman says the final arrangements represent the Queen. So members of the royal family will wear mourning dress and not military uniform, despite tradition. 
And estranged brothers, Princes William and Harry, will walk behind their grandfather's coffin in an eight-minute procession, separated by their cousin, Peter Phillips. Royal correspondent, Royanika. I think the family will put on a united front for the funeral, and I think it's going to take more than a funeral to heal those rifts. I think it's going to take a long time. Meghan won't be here because of her pregnancy. When asked about the two brothers' placement in the procession, a palace spokesman said, we won't be drawn into those perceptions of a drama. This is a funeral. Nora? Roxana Saberi, thank you. And this programming note, CBS News will have live coverage of the funeral. Our special, Remembering Prince Philip, airs tomorrow morning at 9.30 Eastern, and that is 6.30 in the West. Tonight, hopes are dimming that more survivors will be found inside a ship that capsized on Tuesday off the coast of Louisiana. The body of a second crew member was found today. Eleven others are still missing. The hope is that air pockets inside the overturned ship will allow potential survivors to breathe. The worst academic cheating scandal in more than 40 years at the U.S. Military Academy has resulted in eight cadets being kicked out of the school and more than 50 others forced to repeat a year. Many of the 73 cadets who were accused of cheating on a calculus final exam last May were athletes, some of them on the football team. Tonight, the nation's capital has a new memorial honoring the nearly 5 million Americans who fought in World War I. Until now, the so-called war to end all wars did not have a significant memorial here in D.C. Today's dedication included a flyover by jets from the 94th Fighter Squadron, the most victorious unit in World War I. It's true that we learn a lot every Friday from CBS's Steve Hartman, and tonight he's on the road to expand our vocabulary. All you want is a nice, peaceful breakfast. So you slice open an orange or grapefruit and get ready to attack it with a spoon, only to have it attack you back, right in the eye. The phenomenon is well-documented in pop culture. Ow, you slurred me. But did you know there's a word for what your citrus does to you? You get sprayed in the eye and you go, oh, it orviscolated. It or what? Oh, it orviscolated. Brother and sister Jonathan and Hillary Krieger of Boston say they picked up that word from their father. As a child, you learn words because your parents use them and then you start using them and you don't kind of question, is it a real word? Until you're thumbing through a dictionary one day and find there, between orb and orbit, nothing. And I said, Dad, what's wrong with this dictionary? <laughs> or biscuit isn't in it. And he said, well, maybe. Or I might have made it up. <laughs> I, might, I might have made this word up. <laughs> the Kriegers laughed about that for years. Laughed until they cried. Last April, Jonathan and Hillary's dad, Neil, died of COVID. And in the days after his passing... That orbisculate story was one of the few things that still brought a smile, which gave the kids an idea. It felt like a very nice way to honor someone at a time where there's not a lot of positive things going on. What they did was launch a campaign to get orbisculate into the dictionary by getting folks to use it. Right. They came up with a list of 78 goals, like get the word in a crossword puzzle. Check. Temporarily tattooed on someone's body. Check. In a child's chalk drawing. Check. In a petri dish of phosphorescent bacteria. Surprisingly, check. In a news story. Check. Someone even put it on a sign at a grocery store. Warning. Strong possibility of orbisculation. 
Words with friends added it to their game. This woman wrote it into a song. And that fruit or right into my eye. Of course, getting orbisculate entrenched into our vernacular will be the challenge. But Jonathan and Hillary are determined to see this through. And that would be something our dad would really love. Definitely. And you don't need a dictionary to see the meaning of that. <laughs> Steve Hartman, On the Road. In Boston. Hope you'll join me for a candid conversation with former President George W. Bush about his new book, his paintings of immigrants, and one of his biggest regrets. That's all on CBS's Sunday morning. And if you can't watch the CBS Evening News Live, set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That's tonight's CBS Evening News. Have a great weekend. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. Okay. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>